Welcome to the drdavidmarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr. David Marlin, and along with a great team of experts, I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts, we will discuss science-led research, technology, information, and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier, and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com, and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi. So what do sweet potatoes, aloe vera, and apple cider vinegar all have in common? Well, interestingly enough, they are all things that are recommended by horse owners or by various companies to feed to horses and ponies. But what makes it interesting about these two things is actually how much information do we have about are they safe, what dose, what rate should they be fed at, and what are they actually really good for? Well, I'm going to cover each of these. Uh, I've done a lot of research and I've looked up all the relevant information. So, first thing, let's start with sweet potatoes. Can I feed my horse or pony sweet potatoes? There's quite a lot of posts around if you Google sweet potatoes and horses, and uh, a lot of the posts recommend them as treats, but also for horses with or prone to gastric ulcers. So, sweet potatoes, Ipomoea batatas, fed in small amounts, raw or cooked do not appear to present any health risk to the majority of horses or ponies at this time and many owners as we know do feed them as a snack or as a treat. Now sweet potatoes are a good source of beta carotene which is the orange coloured pigment belonging to a group known as carotenoids and beta carotene is a precursor of course of vitamin A which is an essential vitamin for horses. Now, as far as published research in horses, 
there are no studies that I can find on sweet potatoes in horses or ponies. There is one paper which mentions a case of respiratory distress in a horse due to mycotoxin contamination of damaged sweet potatoes. But this isn't really specifically about mycotoxins and sweet potatoes because mycotoxins occur on many equine food materials. So, with respect to gastric ulcers, the link behind people recommending sweet potatoes for horses with or prone to gastric ulcers may come mainly from studies of experimentally induced gastric ulcers in rats, where it has been shown that beta-carotene may offer protection or promote healing of gastric ulcers. However, these studies cannot be directly related to horses and ponies, as this is, in first of all, in a different species. The gastric ulcers in the rat studies are experimentally induced. The beta-carotene is given as a high purified dose and not through feeding sweet potatoes. And the nature of gastric ulcers in rats are similar to humans, but very different to squamous glandular and pyloric ulcers that occur in horses. So really, it's incredibly dangerous to uh, try and relate what's been done with beta-carotene in rat experimental models to horses with naturally occurring gastric ulcers and feeding them sweet potatoes. Now, sweet potatoes do appear in the EU feed materials register. Now, what that means is that manufacturers could include them in products such as feeds or supplements. They can be fed raw or cooked, as we've already said. However, cooking increases the starch digestibility and starch can be quite high in sweet potatoes. Even when raw and uncooked, the starch in sweet potatoes is highly digestible. So that means it could have quite an impact on the horse's blood sugar, blood glucose, if a large enough amount was fed. Whilst a large number of nutrition sources give the sugar content of sweet potatoes as typically around 4 to 9% by weight, the starch content is actually reported to be a much wider range, with some saying as low as 10%, one other source, a good source, Feedopedia, saying 69%, with the average being around 13 to 16% by weight. So 100 grams of sweet potato, for example, would be around 13 to 16 grams of starch. Now, medium-sized sweet potato will weigh around 130 grams or 5 ounces. So feeding half of one a day, 65 grams or 2.5 ounces, or perhaps the equivalent of 4 to 5 1-inch cubes, would equate to around 5 grams of sugar and 10 grams of starch. This, at this level, isn't particularly a problem. So feeding this amount per day to a horse with EMS or Cushing's or on weight management is okay at this level, 4 or 5 cubes a day. Anything more than that is not recommended. So the bottom line, if you want to give sweet potatoes as a treat, then they can be fed raw or cooked. As always, for any new feed stuff, these should be introduced slowly. They do appear to be well tolerated by most horses and ponies, although there's limited, if any, published research on their suitability of horses and ponies, funny enough. They are highly unlikely, however, to have any impact on gastric ulceration in horses. And in fact, part of the normal management of equine gastric ulcer syndrome is to avoid feeds that are high in sugar and starch. What are the alternatives? Well, carrots are also 
a good source of beta carotene and probably a better option as a treat than sweet potatoes due to being lower in sugar and starch. The next ingredient I want to have a look at is aloe vera uh, because it's suggested on lots of pages that this is a really good option for horses prone to gastric ulcers uh, and also supposedly for lots of other things as well. So what is aloe vera? Well aloe as many of you probably will know is a cactus like plant that prefers hot and dry climates so typically uh, parts of the US. The name aloe vera derives from the Arabic word aloe which meaning uh, is of shining bitter substance whilst vera in Latin means true. So 2,000 years ago, the Greek scientists regarded aloe vera as being a universal panacea. It would cure everything, uh, almost a, a magical plant. The Egyptians called aloe the plant of immortality. Um, and today, the aloe vera plant has been used for a huge range of purposes, particularly in dermatology. Um, and the full botanical name of aloe vera is actually aloe barbadensis miller. Now, aloe vera does contain 75, potentially at least 75, uh, potentially active constituents. And these include things like vitamins, enzymes, minerals, sugars, lignin, saponins, salicylic acid uh, and amino acids. Aloe vera is a herb traditionally used to ease digestive upset in people and to alleviate pain from burns when applied topically. More recently, it's become uh, popular. It's been promoted as an anti-obesity agent. Now, even in people, there are relatively few studies. Uh, there is some evidence that aloe vera preparations may help with the following. Acne, when applied topically. Speeding up the healing of burns and reducing pain from burns. Uh, herpes simplex or psoriasis, when applied topically. Irritable bowel syndrome, there's been three trials. One trial was positive, two trials showed no effect. And finally, ulcerative colitis. Now, everyone seems to think aloe vera is a, is a nice, safe thing, but actually uh, there have been some side effects noted from aloe vera preparations taken orally in people. And these include occasional reports of burning, itching, and eczema with the use of aloe gel. Uh, oral use of aloe latex can cause abdominal pain and cramps. Oral consumption of aloe leaf extracts for as little as three weeks and as long as five years has been related to cases of acute hepatitis. Animal studies, interestingly, have noted an association between aloe vera leaf extract taken orally and gastrointestinal cancer in rats and mice. So that's obviously a great concern. And overuse of aloe latex may increase the risk of adverse effects from the drug digoxin used for cardiac problems. And finally, aloe both in gel and latex form when taken by mouth may be unsafe during pregnancy and whilst breastfeeding. I realised here I should explain the difference between aloe gel, whole aloe leaf extract and uh, the aloe in uh, aloe latex. So the gel is primarily what is considered to be the active ingredient of uh, aloe vera and that is what is inside the leaves. If you have 
uh, whole leaf preparation. Then, of course, you have the gel, you have the, the structural part of the, the outside of the plant, but you also have something called aloin or aloe latex, which is uh, it, it's, a, it's a sort of a liquid substance that is inside the leaf but uh, surrounding the gel. To date, there's actually only one study of aloe vera in horses by Bush et al. in 2018. And in this study, 40 horses with grade 2 or greater squamous and or glandular ulcers were treated with either aloe vera in a leaf gel at a rate of 17.6 milligrams per kilogram of body weight twice a day or omeprazole, 4 milligrams per kilogram body weight once a day for 28 days. So 17.6 milligrams per kilogram of aloe vera equates to around 8.8 grams for a 500 kilogram or 1,100, 1,100 pound uh, horse. Now, the improvement rate was 56% in the aloe vera group and 85% in the omeprazole group. So omeprazole was superior to aloe vera for improvement in gastric ulcer score. The healing rate of the gastric ulcers was 17% in the aloe vera group, but 75% in the omeprazole group. Therefore, 8.8 grams of aloe vera gel in this trial was nowhere near as good as omeprazole. Now, many companies sell aloe vera supplements for horses, including Animal Life, Omega Equine, Equimins, KM Elite, Horse Herbs. And out of these companies, only Horse Herbs gave really any useful information on their product. Um, and this is a quote, direct quote from their website. It says 100% aloe vera inner leaf gel. The feeding rate for a large horse, 450 kilograms plus, is 50 to 150 mils per day, which can be split between feeds or given in one go. So what's the bottom line? Well, there is only one study of aloe vera in horses, and that was not very convincing. There are no studies on appropriate feeding rate or safety of aloe vera in horses. There is limited data to support the use of aloe vera gel even in people, despite a number of studies. There are a number of side effects that have been identified to be associated with aloe vera gel uh, or other aloe vera preparations. And oral aloe vera products should be used with caution in horses, I would say, given that neither their safety nor efficacy, the potential benefit, nor appropriate feeding rates are currently known. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
And finally, I'm going to finish with, last but not least, apple cider vinegar, or ACV. So, a large number of feed and supplement companies have apple cider vinegar products with various recommendations for feeding or use. And these include companies like Amiga Equine, Hilton Herbs, Gold Label, Equimins, NAF, Global Herbs, Simple Systems, and Wendell's Herbs, to name just a few. So apple cider vinegar is vinegar made from apple juice. Yeasts use sugar in the apple juice to produce alcohol, ethanol. And when that alcohol is exposed to oxygen, bacteria called acetobacter ferment the alcohol to produce acetic acid, which makes vinegar. Now vinegar actually contains very little in the way of nutrients, despite what some of the marketing you read might claim. Uh, 100 ml or 100 grams, whichever you prefer, contains only around 20 calories with traces only of sugar, sodium, calcium and around 1 gram of carbohydrates. So there's not much there. It's mainly acetic acid. Now some of the claims made for apple cider vinegar in horses are ridiculous and there's a huge range of these claims. Uh, Claims include acidifying the stomach, acidifying the urinary tract, well, that doesn't happen. Acts as a probiotic. Well, only if there is some sediment. Aids absorption of minerals. No. Aids circulation. Really? Aids muscle stiffness. Where's the evidence? An alkalizing agent. Hang on. It, we've just said it's an acidifying agent. And it's an alkalizing agent as well? No. Balancing pH levels. Pseudoscience. Cleanses the digestive tract. Pseudoscience. Helps relieve itching. Where's the evidence? Improves coat condition. Where's the evidence? Improves digestion. Where's the evidence? Improves immune function. No evidence. Improves joint flexibility. No evidence. Increases appetite. Actually, probably does the opposite. Acts as a blood cleanser. Pseudoscience. Maintains stamina. No evidence. Natural antibiotic. Really? Natural insect repellent. No evidence. Prevents arthritis. Illegal claim. Relieves the soreness and stiffness of equine arthritis, illegal claim, removes toxins, so pseudoscience. Supports and maintains healthy bone integrity, rubbish. Supports clear skin, really? Supports hard, healthy, fresh hooves, where's the evidence? Supports the respiratory tract, no evidence. So almost all of these purported purported benefits have no scientific basis or evidence and are, are actually false. And most make no sense whatsoever. These are old wives' tales that are used for marketing. Let's just, again, look at a few of these uh, in more detail. Acidifies the stomach. The stomach is already very acidic. The, the hydrochloric acid in the, in the stomach is more acid than the small amount of vinegar you're putting in. Adding, and in fact, adding more acid may not be a good idea for horses with or prone to gastric ulcers. As an alkalizing agent, well, vinegar's acidic. Not sure how it can alkalize. Um, Acts as a probiotic. As we said, it's true. If there is sediment present, this may contain some bacteria. But the the bacteria in vinegar are not considered by any stretch of the imagination a probiotic. And, And plus, most apple cider vinegar products will have been filtered to remove the sediment anyway. So there won't be any bacteria there. Increases appetite. This is a, a, a great one. It's not proven. And in people, apple cider vinegar is actually used as an appetite suppressant. So what about the science in horses? Well, I was only able to find two scientific papers on apple cider vinegar 
in horses. The first is from 1989 by Harold Hintz and uh, concerns horses prone to developing something called enteroliths. Now, enteroliths are mineral accumulations of magnesium, ammonium, phosphate uh, around a foreign object that's been ingested, such as a small piece of metal, a pebble, uh, baling twine, hair, uh, rubber bands, etc. And these enteroliths are round, triangular or flat stones um, and they're inside the bowel and usually they form over a number of years. Small enteroliths generally passed in the droppings, not a major problem, but the larger ones can get trapped in the intestine and impair the passage of the contents of the gut uh, and may ultimately get trapped in the digestive system, causing damage to the lining of the gut. The sort of signs that affected horses might show if they've got large enteroliths could include colic, abnormal droppings and weight loss. Now, in this paper, the recommendation was to feed 200 mils of apple cider vinegar per day to lower cecal hindgut pH, which in turn uh, was believed to reduce the development uh, or rate of development of enteroliths. The only other reference I can find on apple cider vinegar is from 2022 by Fletcher et al, where apple cider vinegar was part of the treatment of uh, a horse with an oral antral fistula. That's an abnormal opening between the oral cavity, the mouth, and the maxillary sinus. And now, in this uh, paper, which is sort of a case report, many different treatments were used, and it's really unclear to what extent the apple cider vinegar was effective. Even for regular vinegar or just plain acetic acid, there are very few studies in horses. One study by Nado et al. 2003 demonstrated that gastric tissue, uh, that's uh, parts of the stomach that have been removed at post-mortem um, and exposed to acetic acid vinegar on the bench in the lab, leads to decreases in the mucosal barrier function um, of the stomach. Now, that's not a good thing. Um, and other potentially negative considerations that you have to think about when feeding apple cider vinegar or even ordinary vinegar to horses are that the acidity may lead to tooth damage and also potentially irritation of the esophagus on its way down into the stomach. Remember, the esophagus uh, isn't normally an acidic environment. The stomach is, and the stomach is structured to cope with that acidity um, Horses obviously don't reflux like we do, um, but we know the effect of when we reflux and acid stomach contents uh, get into the esophagus and we get heartburn. So potentially putting acidic uh, apple cider vinegar or acetic acid or ordinary vinegar into the feed may well cause irritation of the esophagus on its way down to the stomach. Now, there are a lot more studies of apple cider vinegar in people where a typical dose would be 30 mils per day. And this would equate to around 200 mils per day for a 500 kilogram or 1100 pound horse. Now, of the apple cider vinegar supplements I reviewed, none recommended feeding at this rate, with some suggesting as little as 30 mils per day. So it's hard to understand even if it did have benefit, what the benefit of feeding at that low rate would be. In studies in human subjects, apple cider vinegar has been found to be beneficial in a very small 
number of studies. For example, it's found to uh, produce a small decrease in appetite in one study, a small loss of weight in one study, a small reduction in triglycerides in the blood in two studies, a small reduction in blood glucose in two studies, and a small reduction in body fat in one study. But at the same time, in other studies, it was found to have no effect on insulin in two different studies, no effect on cholesterol in two studies, uh, no effect on HDL or LDL in two studies. And in these studies, they typically fed 20 to 30 mils of apple cider vinegar per sort of 70 kilograms daily for 12 weeks. So what's the bottom line? Well, apple cider vinegar fed at a rate of 0.43 mils per kilogram for 6 to 12 weeks has small effects on appetite, reducing appetite, small effect on weight, blood lipids, blood glucose, and body fat in people. This would be equivalent to feeding 200 mils of apple cider vinegar per day to a 500 kilo, 1100 pound horse. However, there is no indication that the same effects would be found in horses as have been found in people. And remember, apple cider vinegar may lead to adverse effects in horses, including tooth damage, esophageal irritation, and potentially increased risk of gastric ulcers. So at this time, we don't have very good evidence to suggest that apple cider vinegar is beneficial to horses. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, then you might want to check out our Facebook page, drdavidmarlin.com, or our website of the same name. And there we answer members' questions. Uh, We have all our product testing and huge amount of resources that are valuable to horse owners. Bye-bye. 
Our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. The DrDavidMarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.